0: Happy Thanksgiving and welcome back to RPG R&D. I am one of your hosts, Jess Geyer. Uh I am one half of Wannabe Games. I design tabletop role playing games and I paused there cuz I was trying to think of a good Thanksgiving joke and I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. <laughs> I was going to say gobble gobble. I was like that's overdone. It's <laughs> overdone. And I'm here with my very my my very dear friend and co-host Craig Campbell. Hello Craig.
1: Hi, Jess. Uh I'm Craig Campbell. I'm the owner of Nerdburger Games, and I make tabletop role-playing games as well. And we have now officially like put ourselves on the line. <laughs> this episode has to go out on Thanksgiving Day. We can't be late. Um, we were just for, talking about how people in the released. far-flung future um, just just assume that we did, in fact, get the episode out on Thanksgiving Day of 2022. But we'll see.
0: <laughs> Things could go terribly wrong. You never know
1: right now we were just talking about schedule. how
0: we were talking about how it's gonna come out probably on thanksgiving and i you know why not why not have a little festivity a little little holiday spirit in here we're here with someone with a lot of festive spirit so a lot of a lot of spirit i'm glad to have our our, our guest here uh jeff hello hello how are you
2: hi there hello yes um, I am trying to get into the Thanksgiving spirit. Still, it's 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 only November 12th when we're recording this, but I'm trying to get into the festive the, the spirit. So I've got a big turkey in front of me. I've got stuffing and cranberry <laughs> sauce. It's the morning. It's like 930 in the morning when we're recording it, but it doesn't matter. I got to get my head in the gown and get my head in that space for you so I can feel present to podcast listeners as, as a, this is a true Thanksgiving episode.
0: Uh <laughs> Jeffrey, you want to you wanna tell us a little bit about yourself, other than the fact that you are you are just like the biggest Thanksgiving fan?
2: <laughs> <laughs> sure. My name is Jeffrey Golden. I'm a game designer and narrative designer. Uh, I've worked for Capcom, Ubisoft, Square Enix, and indie studios around the world, and I've worked on a number of TTRPG projects, including Wet Hot American Summer Fantasy Camp, Helm Grey Castle for Image Comics, and World and Told Magazine.
0: We have a really interesting topic today. A topic that is, is close to my heart as a video game player. We're talking about mini games. <laughs> um, mini games are little tidbits within a game. They're, they're a game within a game at times. They are the, oh, let's go fishing game in your video game. They are the shoot some targets. They are the, oh, go find the golden rabbit of your role playing game and mini games are a really fun kind of diversion for your players to go on that kind of maybe even breaks them out mechanically from the game that you're playing or at least breaks them out in in some sense from the main adventure it's kind of like a side quest with a with a very very specific point and that's what we're going to talk about today or this my favorite thing in a game i i Sometimes I'll get totally wrapped up in a mini game when I'm playing a video game <laughs> and not even do any of the main quests because they're so fun. Jeffrey, you picked this topic. What was your yeah. interest in, in choosing mini games as our topic for today?
2: I love mini games. I, I'm a fan of mini games in all of their forms. Uh, the first thing that comes to mind when I think of mini games are like the WarioWare games, if you've ever played those. Yes. Um, they're uh, they're so much fun. And what I, I love about those games is that they always surprise you and I really love the feeling of surprise that a mini game can provide especially in like a TTRPG because you get sort of you you get after you as you play for a long time you sort of take the mechanics for granted I think like you sort of feel like yeah this is just like the way of things and you you stop necessarily thinking about like well why is it this way you know and so I really like the element of surprise that mini games can inject uh, into an experience.
0: Yeah, so what are what are some of the mini games that you might be able to play with like within a game as a GM?
2: Yeah. Well, one that I can think of right away are like gambling based games. So you're at the tavern, maybe there's uh maybe there's a card game, maybe there's a dice game uh that's being played there's one, there was a um a campaign that I really liked that was like carnival. It was like it took place at a carnival. And so it had like a bunch of like carnival-based games, which was fun. <laughs> so like trying to like hit, you know, like balloons with a with an arrow, like with a um, yeah, with an arrow, you know, try, you know, dunking, you know, dunking your head to in a thing of water to try to pull an apple out or something like that. Like those kinds of like experiences that are just like fun but like not necessarily like expected you know in a typical role-playing game loop wherein you're going on a quest you are fighting monsters you are hunting for treasure it's like oh like do something like hit a hit something with a mallet and to see how hard you hit it you know if you can get a prize like it's not something you think of as like oh this is like my day-to-day RPG experience
0: yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they fit in so well with a longer campaign when you've been, you know, you've been playing with these characters for a while, you have been kind of stuck in that regular gameplay loop. Well, maybe now it's time for the carnival episode <laughs> of your, of your game. They, you know, we play games. That's why we play stuff like D and D. I mean, look, that's why we're playing role-playing games in the first place. Why wouldn't our characters also experience that sort of entertainment? Now Craig, you said that you you had like no no experience in this regard. Is any of this ringing a bell? Have you ever played a mini game within a game?
1: It suddenly when you brought up the gambling thing, it kind of sparked things because uh and I guess I was just thinking about this topic in very, a very specific way because we didn't really talk about it. We just shared what the topic was on email and mm-hmm. then well we all showed up here to talk. But obviously like in my game capers, it would be perfectly reasonable to play you know, a hand of poker or a blackjack or something like that in Deadlands. I've done that. Um, I've done it in Capers as well, where we actually play the uh, the, the gambling game um, because you've got decks of cards handy anyway, you've got chips handy anyway, and so you can do that. And then it suddenly occurs to me that um, I played. It was a ridiculous game. Um, the rules, like the it was it was wonky. But I think that longtime D D fans might remember Spottle, um, which was a dice game in I think we played it in Forgotten Realms in in Waterdeep. I think it was out of a specific module that may not have necessarily been a Forgotten Realms module, but it was called Spottle S P O T T L E, Um, and it was a dice game that you rolled the dice and everything. But the the die was encrusted with was so ridiculous. The die was encrusted with flies, and there was a giant frog on the table, and there was always a chance that the frog would eat the die. Uh-huh. Um, and so even if you rolled well, like the frog <laughs> could eat the die and that would negate your, your good role. And it was a gambling That's... game. It was, and it was like,
0: is weirdly... it, wait, is this a WOTC endorsed thing?
1: This was from a module. This was designed by somebody who got paid to do it. <laughs> I'm sure. Um, I just don't know for sure where the game, you know, wh- what module it, it originated in. Um, but it was in a forgotten Realms second edition game that I played in D and D second edition. And then it just also occurs to me that, with you, you could potentially like just mentioned the you know the fishing game. Now, I assume you're referring to going fishing in uh one of the uh 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 what do you call it blanket on the name because I don't play a lot of video games.
0: Well, there's like Legend of Zelda, does Legend fishing. of Zelda right? Yeah. Like,
1: the Legend yeah. of Zelda thing, and where like you know it, it becomes a question of does the mini game have an actual impact on. The game world game, like the the storyline, the plot that's moving forward, or is it a diversion? Um, you know, Jess has talked about like having the beach episode where it doesn't have to have anything to do with the story, where this is the same kind of thing. They could right. the characters could engage in a game, or you could have like some sort of weird thing that happens and it occurs to me and like this would be for a better, for a goofier game. Like, you know, where you're playing comedic stuff like, okay, and all your characters get hit by this wacky magic spell and you fall unconscious and you all have a shared hallucination where you're bears and you're Mm going to go and steal some honey. And so everybody makes a character for honey heist for the game, you know, and you play honey heist and then the result of the honey heist in that game may or may not have an impact on the game when the characters wake up back in whatever actual RPG you're playing. Um, where, and it could be a diversion, but it could be like, like, there could be this weird clue that's like in this shared, uh, hallucination or, or magical fantasy or whatever that you're having. It could be just one, whoever wins or does the best or whatever in the, in the side game comes back with like confidence and like reinvigorated. Maybe they, you know, like they heal some points or they gain some of the, whatever the main games, uh, you know, currency is the, the bennies that you can spend on stuff. Like there could be mechanical play that comes out of it too.
2: I actually think it's imperative that there is a link to the main story. I mean, you talk about like the beach episode and like, I think beach episode is like an interesting example because you you could, you know, in one hand, you could say, well, it's a diversion because they're not, you know, fighting monsters or whatever. But I actually think like a beach episode does a lot of good in terms of fleshing out Characters, getting to see them in a side side of them that you may not have seen before, exploring like themes uh, in the story that you may not explore otherwise, you know, it it gives you more dimension to the story, whereas these are characters who don't just perform uh, tasks off a job board, they are also maybe friends or becoming friends with each other, Um, you know, they're forming deeper connections. So I I think that like and I think that's what mini games could do really well. I mean, if, if you know if you're if you just wanted to if you wanted to incorporate Honey Heist into your D and D campaign, it's like <laughs> why not just play Honey Heist? Like just be you just say to your group like, hey, like let's for a change of pace, let's play Honey Heist, right? Like I think the reason you're incorporating a Honey Heist or another RPG into your game is because you want to forward the story in some way. And like, that could be, you know, giving the characters more insight into themselves, it's more dimensions into themselves. Um, It could be, you know, exploring themes of the story that sides of the story that you may not be able to otherwise that you feel like limited by in terms of thing. Or, you know, we're talking about diversion and surprise. It's like, uh, providing some emotional element to the story that maybe you're having trouble um, capturing with the with the standard mechanics, right? And so, so that to me, like that is like why you do like that is like a good reason. I think why you do mini games. Yeah, they're surprising and they're different, but also I think if, when done really well, they will integrate into the story in some sense.
0: I think you're totally spot on with that like you are giving as a GM, when you're giving these mini games, you're giving the the characters an opportunity to do something outside of like the general narrative that you've set up and getting more into that character development. Or, you know, sometimes we see a lot of our character like our ourselves when we are having the diversion. Um, Interestingly, the word for entertainment or entertaining in French is a diversion. Like, you are going off the path. You are not following, like, the normal route of things at this point. And, and that's, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be on the main plot to be still plot relevant because character develop like, to be story relevant because the story is not just the plot. It's the characters. It's everything within yeah. it. I, I, I'm glad, too, that you brought up the gambling aspect. Gambling is such a, I don't know, it's like such a, fantasy type thing that fits in so well. Lots of different genres. People love to gamble. We like to play cards. We like to roll dice. Uh, You see it in all sorts of media. There's even a whole game that was made to be a gambling game within your D&D game called Red Dragon Inn. Like there are games that are designed to do this and you can bring in those games and it doesn't necessarily even have to be tied into the mechanics of the game at large although you could maybe like you're not good at poker but your character is a really good liar maybe maybe you as a gm could be like okay you we're gonna play poker but if you want to cheat you can roll to bluff like you can roll this and if it happens we're all just gonna pretend that this is what happens like we're gonna pretend that you did win this hand because you cheated um, you can include some of those elements or you could not maybe it is literally just we're kind of taking a little break here even from our characters we're going to be in character we're going to be larping we're going to be doing some larp here i i i like that a lot you even see it a lot with other media there are like games within gosh uh in uh what is it called in king killer chronicles talk the little Games that, that now you can, it's ubiquitous, like you can buy in whatever convention you're at. Like you can go play this game that they invented for this book. Or you can play, I don't know, whatever that weird chess game thing that they play in Star Wars. If you're playing a Star Wars game, they're right. they're fun little world-building diversions that you can take that help flesh out the world and make the player, make the characters and the players feel special and like they're having fun.
2: I think the chess uh, example is a really good one. That's a very memorable scene in Star Wars. And what it tells you, what the, the thing is, it's it's not just a diversion, it's not just like an excuse for a special effect. It tells us something about Chewbacca's character, right? Because uh when Luke tries to beat him, I forget, or is almost beats him or something, Chewbacca gets upset and Hanso is like, You better just let the let the Wookiee win. The Wookie you win. Know? And it's like, tells you something like, oh, okay, Chewbacca is like a badass. Like Chewbacca could like, is, is a real tough guy, you know? And it tells you something about the world too. It tells you something about Han's world and disposition about like, this isn't a world of fair play. It's a world of rogues and, and thieves and, you know, people using muscle to get what they want. And so there's some storytelling in terms, there's some world building there. There's some storytelling there. There's some character work there. All centered around this game, you know, this game of skill that they have uh, that's very beautifully animated in stop motion. I always love that sequence. There,
0: there is only like Alex, my husband Alex has only run games for me a couple times. But the one, the one campaign he ran that I found very memorable, it was in, it was in 5e. And the very first session was we were at a carnival. And he used the carnival games to start fleshing out, like, the different cultures that existed within um, within his world. And in his world, dwarves were very, like, stoic, quiet people. And their carnival game was just a game called Don't. And the idea <laughs> was to just not. And as soon as you did, you lost.
2: Uh, <laughs> what did that
0: mean? Well, <laughs> like, literally, you just did not that's <laughs> the game and it was like it really it was really fun it was a really fun way to kind of like instantly get acclimated to to what the the setting was at that time
2: that's awesome yeah I it think, was a lot I, of fun I think games can be like food in that way where you can sort of tell a lot about a culture from their food I think you can also tell a lot about a culture from their games as well
0: for sure for sure you had mentioned earlier too, like the hitting something with a mallet. There are like in mini games like video game mini-games of like hitting a target with a slingshot or things like that. You can also use those opportunities with like if you're making a mini game as a GM, you can use the mechanics that already exist, already the strengths of your players and just kind of like have them to it in, in in a different way. You're not shooting a, a monster, you're shooting an arrow. And you can just use those mechanics right in it and then they can get cool prizes or whatever they're doing, whatever they're doing. Or maybe they find yeah. out there's like some sort of grand conspiracy at this carnival and all of the carnival runners are cheating and they're just stealing your money to, to fund an evil plan. I don't know, whatever it is. You can do all sorts of fun stuff with that. I love carnival games too.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, you know, I was listening to, um, a podcast, I forget. It was the Ezra Klein Show, but I forget it was a game it was a game historian or, or a game uh, theorist um, who was speaking on that show and was talking about um, basically like the essential, the essence of game of a game being uh, the trading of agency for challenge right? So if you are, you know, if so carnival game would be like a perfect example, right? Like hitting the mallet on the the thing and it goes, you know, and it goes up and that's the strength, right? Like in theory, like if you are, let's say you are a, you know, a barbarian with intense strength, right? You know, in theory, right? You could just punch that, the little target thing, right? break the whole thing and say like I give me the prize you know <laughs> but but the whole but the whole point is that you are trading your agency so rather than using all the tools at your disposal in D D right you have you have a limited set you are limiting the set of tools that you have you have to hold this mallet you have to swing it a certain way right these are all the rules that you agree to to then take on the challenge and to potentially earn the reward for for doing so so I think it's I think that's cool it's like it's like d d is like such has such like a wide expanse of rules that basically we're saying within this game which is like a game with like a lot of agency. We are saying with the minigame limit that agency considerably to for a specific to achieve a specific goal. And uh, and yeah, that's the the essence of the essence of the minigame.
1: You might argue that games that have dueling rules is exactly that sort of a thing where you are going to have a duel and you can whether it's with guns or, or swords or magic or whatever, and you can only do certain things. There's rules of how the duel functions and like it, it might be you know governed by societal expectations of what's it, what what makes for an honorable or fair duel and sort of that, that sort of thing where you're still using the rules of the game, but you're only using this subset in a very specific way.
0: When you were saying like, oh, the barbarian could totally just break the game. GM idea. Maybe, maybe this would be a fun thing to do. You start your first session at a carnival and everyone determines their attributes based on how well they're doing at the game uh, instead of the <laughs> other way around. Maybe, maybe that's how you're rolling your attributes for the first time. And you can have a session zero that's also slightly in character. I think that would be a fun thing to try out. I might try yeah, that that's out. Cool yeah for my character really development yes like you you know you could roll your 3d6 standard like 3d6 how well did you do on this one? Oh, oh you're doing the strength game this is going to be your strength skill let's see how well you do um <laughs> uh, i think that i could work for a couple different games up uh, i mean obviously it has to be thematically correct like there are some games that strength is not even Like there's no strength attribute in um, good society, for example. But maybe, maybe they are playing a game of cards and this could be the way that you're setting up your character relations as you're in this game of cards. Yeah, there's, there's all sorts of fun stuff you (laughs) could do in that regard. I, I sometimes think that in a game, the mini game is even more fun than the regular, like the actual game itself.
2: I think it's, uh, I think there can be, there's an opportunity to make them very memorable because of that like surprise and that novelty because it makes you kind of rethink the game that you're playing as you're playing it you recontextualize it i think there is that opportunity to have like a really memorable and interesting experience with the mini game
1: and i find myself thinking too that like if it is a game that the characters are engaging in within the world of what you're playing there's 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 no you don't necessarily have everybody not every character is necessarily playing the game like um so what are the other characters doing during that time can the games be used as a backdrop for other things that are happening um and they they serve a purpose to feed to that and the thing that kind of struck me was we were talking about ar- aristocracy stuff in the last episode and uh you could have Potentially characters, everybody's at, you know, the local uh the, the nobles' court, the monarch's court, and the character and, and the the nobles or and you know one, one or two of the characters can be involved in like a game of questions, which is a game of wit where you like one person asks a question of another person, the other person has to respond with a response that sort of addresses and builds from the question, but the response has to be a question. They yeah. can't answer with a state yes. and it goes back and forth until somebody either doesn't actually answer properly. That builds from the previous question or answers with a statement. And while you've got characters doing that, so like like I'm jamming game, and Jess's character is engaging in this game of questions. I'm going to be playing this, and every so often asking Jeffrey to have his character roll pickpocket checks in order to <laughs> you know lift the wallets or the purses or whatever of people, or find the inform you know find the the note that somebody has that you're trying to get. Somebody has a hidden note or whatever.
0: I love that. That's and so yeah. Yeah. Longer, That's fun. And the longer
1: the longer Jess manages to keep the game of questions going without failing and losing the game, the more attempts Jeffrey has for his character to lift the purse of different people until he finds the the thing that it, whatever it is you're looking for. And so it becomes like this. And then and the, so the game of questions is a social game that exists outside of the rules of the role playing game you're playing, but it's integrated into the scene. That's, I, uh, so fun.
2: that's really cool uh the
1: you know is uh, by the way that may, reminds me very much
2: of a, I believe that there's a um there's an old improv game like a who signs In anyway yeah game where they do that where they do the c- a scene entirely in questions So it's really fun to watch it because it gets really difficult after a while it's really fun uh, improv exercise you know it makes me think too that like though we're talking about them it, these in the context of gay, like these are games within the context of the story, within the context of the gameplay, like the characters are all understanding these as games. But as a GM, like puzzles are are basically mini-games, like in a lot of respects, right? Like if I'm like in a cave and there is like hieroglyphics of the cave, you know, there's markings on the cave, and then they're all on all the markings are in bricks that I'm supposed to take the bricks out and put them into a different order in order to figure out the puzzle. I mean, basically that's a mini game, you know, it's, yeah. you know, you are, you are limiting the player agency. You're not letting them escape that room until they flip the, you know, the switches in a correct way. So you're, you're limiting their agency for the challenge and the, the reward being that they can progress onward. It may not be called a mini game in the context of the, of the, of the the session, but it is, it's a lot of the same principle sort of applies.
0: Like a mini game as a trap, a mini yeah. game as an obstacle. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I love it. Or even a mini game as a social obstacle. Yeah. I will tell you all the information you want to know if you can beat me in this game of
1: mm-hmm. Yu-Gi-Oh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Whatever oh, amazing!
2: I cannot wait to play Yu-Gi-Oh in my next uh, D&D campaign. That'll be it's a very <laughs> funny reveal that in this universe, Yu-Gi-Oh exists. It's, it is, there is a, you know, the, everything is mi- medieval fantasy, except that Yu-Gi-Oh exists. And it, it is exactly the way that it is in our world.
0: Well, um, Yu-Gi-Oh is an ancient card game developed by the ancient Egyptian gods, I think is what the lore <laughs> is. I don't know. <laughs> speaking of developing games like okay so we've been talking about this a lot from the gming perspective but what about like the actual design perspective so if you are going about designing something specifically either for your game or for a module for a game how can we make interesting engaging games that do all the things that we've been talking about that help the gm instead of having the gm have to do it for themselves
2: great well I would say my first advice would be the advice that um, a lot of folks give artists when they are first starting out, which is uh, to copy. So, <laughs> so yeah, like, is there is there a game that like a, a an easy like a simple game that you like that you the, the the designer likes, and if so, try copying it and see can you translate it into D, like can you take these rules and like figure out like how to transpose them you know into dnd can you take the lore of the game and transpose it and see what you create because a lot of times you know especially with like a well-worn game with a game that people know and love a, a chess you know i mean it's a classic you know poker classic games right at their core, they are fun. We know they're fun because people continue to play them for hundreds of even thousands of years. So like starting with that core mechanic and then like saying, like, oh, okay, like let me see if I could translate this to, you know, these basic principles to DD. I think that's a good first step in terms of uh in terms of design, if you're just if you're if you're coming off this uh fresh. Another thing I think you could do as a designer. Is isolate something within D&D's mechanics that you think is fun, like in and of itself. Like take one small aspect and then see if you could build a game around that. So basically we're talking about like limiting agency, right? So it's like, okay, what do I find? Like, what do I find fun? Maybe it is you know, sword, maybe it's, it's like sword play. Maybe I really enjoy the mechanics of sword play. It's like, well, okay. Like, you know, perhaps it's like, you have a, um, you are know, like a scarecrow type thing set up on a track or something like that. That's like designed to like duck and weave your, your sword. Right. And you are, you know, the game is how many times can you like stab this this hovering scarecrow, you know, and just like rolling to see like, oh, can I, can I, you know, can I stay Just taking that mechanic and just making that like a folk, like just like that is like your focus and limiting agency. You can only do this. Like now here's your chat. Like here's your challenge. So that might be another way to, that might be another way to approach it going from the outside in or going from the inside, sort of not quite out, but from the inside and, and in even more.
0: Yeah, making sure that it's balanced with like I I think a really good mini game not only balances thematically with the game but also balances mechanically with whatever game you're playing. Um I mean Deadlands for example, cuz Craig you mentioned this earlier, perfect to invent a card game with because Deadlands already uses cards. It is already this old west style game. You could easily Develop your own type of poker hand that also includes some of those elements from the game. Uh, Craig, that's your favorite game. Do you, can you think of anything that might be like interesting that you could pull in a mechanic from? From Deadlands to make this little mini card game, it might have to be oh, a side oh, deck. Ab-
1: absolutely! There should be Harrowed Poker, which is, uh, you know, in in Deadlands, your character can get killed and then come back from the dead. Because if you were tough and 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 you know, if if you have a lot of grit, like if you die, um, you make a you make you make a card pull, and there's possibly the higher your grit is, the better chance you have of coming back. Like you could play a poker game where you can like, you can have a draw poker game, right, where you're going to be able to discard cards but you have something built into the, how the game works where, okay, well, I, I discarded cards, I got my new cards and boy, I really wish I hadn't discarded that particular card over there. So I'm gonna bring that card back from the dead. And there's a rule in this version of poker that allows you to do that because they are living in a world where people in the know, people who uh, you know, are, are dealing with these terrible things know that things come back um, and so, you know, like somebody inventing a version of poker where you can bring the card back from a previous from a previous hand or from a discarded draw is perfectly reasonable um, and thematically appropriate. That's right. The, I was
2: going to say, right? It really hits the theme, uh, you know, and it sort of gives you, uh, yeah, a broader sense of their world, which is, which you know, from their their understanding of it, the character's understanding of it, which is really cool. Um, same thing with what's his bottle Did you say that with the yeah. dice, the dice game? Yeah, it's another perfect example of like, this is a fantasy world. So like, our we don't just play, you know, we have dice, but we also can bring in this like little interesting fantasy element. That's just like every day to, uh, you know, to us, this kind of, fro- you know, these, this kind of magical frog is just like an everyday thing, you know, but we so therefore we can incorporate it into our games you know, because it's easy to do it. It sort of gives you a thematic sense of, oh, there's a great big world of creatures out there. You know, if they're using this frog as part of like a dice rolling game, then like, surely there must be other, you know, magical, interesting creatures in that world. So it kind of gives you like a, a almost like a hint of like what's out there.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think too, like other popular game systems that people design a lot for, like empowered by the apocalypse if you wanted to design a PBTA game that also included a mini game maybe within like or even outside of the regular playbooks there's another like mini game playbook that you can take a move from like oh when you're playing a mini game you can cheat or when you're playing a mini game like one of your moves could be to i don't know to to bluff somebody or to redraw a hand like you could you could pull out some of those more mechanical elements that might fit whatever game that you end up playing in if you if you're if you're designing specifically with a mini game in mind I think a lot of it kind of comes naturally to game designers too because we're already designing games we're designing a macro game you're just Mm -hmm. you're just doing it again (laughs) It's, it's a little easier I feel like um I design a lot of mini games as a teacher I realized the other day, like, ah, I do a lot of game design in my classes. We're playing, play games all the time that I just kind of make up and I have my students play test essentially. (laughs) Well, Um, that's a
2: good, yeah. I mean, and that's a good, I mean, that's a great example of like, why many games, right? Like motivate as motivation, right? Like we understand like, like because games are fun, um, because people like challenges that they can understand like it makes them perfect motivation it put some perfect motivational tools as you're discovering in your teaching and I think that like it's kind of the same can be used kind of the same way in uh in a D d or in an RPG campaign wherein like you're trying to motivate like if you're trying to motivate your players to maybe think more socially maybe you're a lot of your challenges a lot of your um, main campaigns have a big social element and your players aren't like hitting that you could almost use like a social mini game as like a teaching tool as like an encouragement tool to get them to start thinking about you know that way of thinking in a less uh stressful environment than a high stakes uh scenario where their character could be killed so yeah I i definitely can see it as a teaching tool as a tutorial Tool as a tool for sort of encouraging uh players to think a certain way
0: i'm getting also like some zine quest idea i have my <laughs> zine quest that i want to do but like i have a couple different ideas we make we were also talking about zine quest the last episode mm. mini games make it a, make, a, make a zine quest thing where it's a mini game that you can include in a in a certain game uh
2: I love that.
0: Yeah. I'm thinking about all sorts of fun stuff that you could do there. I'm also thinking about how I can take a, an RPG mini game and put it in my classroom too. But that's, that's for me. That's, that's a me thing I want to look at.
2: You could translate all their grades to like levels and like, (laughs) give them like, Oh, you did really well on this quiz. So you got fire magic, you know, you, you know, you guys like give them care, like instead of like score, like, um, instead of a report cards like character sheets right you know there's like a whole you could translate so many of education's mechanics into uh, rpg mechanics
0: there's a lot of gamification of education already there's this whole like platform called class dojo this is like a tangent no but like where they are doing like you get points it's a game and you can level up it's all this all this stuff it's really complicated to try to do something <laughs> from scratch that's why class dojo charges you and it's an incredible amount of money to use uh i i i wonder I wonder like how would you if you were like making a game let's say you're making a larger game you're not making like a little tiny game where the point is just a mini game okay. where do you how do you include a mini game like if you design you design a mini game how do you put it in in your book, is it its own chapter? Yeah. Like what are we doing with that?
2: Well, uh, I did this. So I have some experience with this. Um, so uh I designed uh, a DD campaign uh called Target Run. And it is basically uh Caddyshack meets DD. Um <laughs> and the I did it as part of my uh as the write your first adventure uh workshop um that uh, the rpg writer workshop uh, program which is a uh, very cool I encourage uh, everybody to, to try it because it's a lot of fun and one of their exercises was like oh if you're cu- trying to think of an idea like think of a movie that you really like that you think would be would be interesting as uh, as D&D and I, I thought of Caddyshack because I, I really like uh I really love mini games I love sports as a thematic device in film. I think it's like really, it, they're high, it's always like high stakes. Like there's always the drama is always high stakes. And so I thought it'd be really fun to build a campaign around uh, a module around uh, around essentially a mini game, a sport, right? So what I did was it's very much, I, I built the mini game at the very heart of Target Run. So um, our lead character is a dwarf who wants to play the high elf sport of Allegan, which is sort of like rugby mixed with archery mixed with laser tag. Um, (laughs) She is like desperate to play it. And the way the the place where they play it at the highest level is basically a country club. It's like literally like in the trees, like a treetop resort. And so she is hiring the players to sort of be her entourage, and then you all become her team uh, in Allegan. And if she wins and you you all win, she gets to join uh, this high elf sport. But they do not want her there. She is uh, body and funny, and she is the opposite of their snooty. You know, there's their snooty world.
1: She's Rodney Dangerfield
2: he's Rodney Dangerfield basically so you're helping <laughs> Rodney da- you're helping Rodney Dangerfield uh get into the country club basically <laughs> by playing alongside of him and so uh so I okay so I knew that that's what the sto- that was the story I wanted to tell I thought okay, that's a great story so I need this sport like what what is this sport and I thought okay well they're elves so archery would be like, would be like pretty natural be like a natural fit and and I was like okay like what would be I, I thought like okay like you know and I also thought, thought of like rugby because like rugby I, I went to uh I I had a like a learning disability when I was growing up so I had to go to like a special school like a private school basically and like they were like really big into rugby and I realized like rugby is like a very popular sport at like private schools and such. And so, so I was like, okay, like maybe it is like a rugby archery thing. It's like a high, you know, so I'm thinking thematically to start, right. It's like, what, what makes sense? What, what's, what makes sense? And it also kind of would be fitting. It's like, okay, this like dwarf character may not necessarily have be like the quickest, And maybe isn't like, has the best like accuracy when it comes to, to, to shooting, but like with rugby, there's the tackles, right? So like, maybe our character is like really good at the deep as like really good at the defense. And so I built in, okay. So, so you, you're having a sport with like archery, you're having a sport with like physical combat, but it can't be lethal, right? Because that's not a sport. Like that's going out and killing monsters in the woods. Like, so we need rules, right? We need rules. We need a scenario basically to prevent that from happening. And so that's when you start, that, that's when I started, That's uh, how I started building. So basically, you know, I'm thinking, okay, I've got like, if we got to have a field, right, we've got to have, uh, you know, we've got to have targets around the field, and I thought, okay, well, what's maybe there's a magic element where the targets shift as the game is played. So they like magically like change where those tar- where those targets are throughout the throughout the field. So it gives this kind of interesting strategy of like trying to track down the targets, like literally like as you're going through through the field. And then there's like room for offensive players and defensive players. So I'm thinking about like a typical DD you know, adventuring party, right? Some of those characters might be strong, some of those characters might be fast, some of them might be intelligent. They're not necessarily combat-oriented players. So we've got a (laughs) coach the ones who
0: got chose last for uh dodgeball, you know, right. Fantasy dodgeball, sorry. No, no, no. Exactly,
2: exactly that. Fantasy. So it's like, okay, so then we have a coach character right like a co- like you can have a coach who is a strategic player who helps guide the, the the action so I'm trying to think okay well how how do all of the players in a in a classic D d campaign how do those archetypes fit into the sport what role could they play? In helping their team beat these these snooty elves, right? And so, if you want to read more, I, I don't have to get into every nuance of Allegam. But if you want to read more, you can. Uh, Target Run is on the the DMs Guild site, and you can uh, you can check it out. But basically, like, and to answer your question with as long-winded <laughs> as answer as I possibly could, it's it's a mix of in terms of how do I put a mini game build a mini game into a larger campaign. It's exactly what we're talking about. It's a mix of like the thematic, the story I want to tell, and the mechanics I have at my disposal. And how am I going to limit those mechanics to make the challenge fun?
0: Yeah. I I, And you can take that with your your own game design, too. Like thinking about, oh, I really enjoyed making this mechanic. I see a use for it. Uh, I want people to play with it more. Let me make a little game about it. Uh, I I exactly. wrote for the Robin Hood uh, TTRPG Hood, I wrote the module that was the tournament of the Golden Arrow. And, you know, you're playing not Robin Hood. You're not Robin Hood. And Robin Hood is the main character of that story. So there were already some rules about shooting targets in the game. So I used those rules to include, like, what are you doing within within this tournament like how how are you going to be shooting these targets but you you don't get to win the tournament cuz Robin Hood does but how are you going to be participating um and again also limiting your limiting your scope of actions and your your scope of choice thematically cuz you again everyone knows how the story ends
2: right and and yeah creating those rules it's 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 we have the mechanics around shooting what we maybe don't have are the mechanics around tournament play for, for, uh, is it. and so that's what you're providing. You're saying, okay, I can take these mechanics, these existing combat mechanics, and I'm going to recontextualize them with rules that turn this into a sport, but like turn this into, into, turn this into a game. I'm going to limit the, the focus here to create a challenge. And,
1: uh, I think that's really cool. I, I, I think that's awesome.
0: Have you ever done this, Craig? Are the wheels turning? <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> the wheels are turning. I've been thinking about something for Capers that I've, I've been thinking in in terms of, you know, in my head, I've been calling it a, a rule subset or you know, alternate rules or whatever, but I mean, it's effectively a mini game, which is like, let's say you have the situation where your, 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 you know, your characters are super powered gangsters. They're members of this particular gang and they've got rivals, right? There's other gangs that are rivals and, you know, taking down your rival often in the game turns into like well you go after the leaders or the movers and shakers or the people who have influence or whatever and you take them out or get them um run them out of town or get them arrested or whatever um but if that other if that other group is very very large you could like there's also the play of like you set them up like you you get you set the cops on them you set the feds on them um and my thought was like and this basically roll, rose out of the idea of like what would mass combat rules look like for for capers. And where you're, my thought was like, you could like, let's say the characters do three things that kind of sets up this raid. They're basically going to get the feds to raid their rivals and they plant evidence and they do this and that, and they tip off cops or detectives or whatever. And they do three very specific things. And that gives them three special points that they can spend on this during the the play of this mini game and this doesn't involve their characters their characters just set this all up so the characters aren't at the raid and then they played the feds in this mass combat thing where it's basically a raid where the feds roll in. and i i could develop a rule a rule system that utilizes the playing card system in some manner or you know it's related enough to the core game mechanics so that the players are familiar with how the, the mechanics work, but maybe but maybe there's only very specific things that they can do, and so it'll involve it'll involve some you know a, a hand a few rounds of back and forth flipping cards determining outcomes, and then they've got these points that they can spend to gain bonuses in different ways, and they want to try to you know make it so that the feds win, like they want the whatever whatever the win condition is for scoring a certain number of of points against the the rivals, or you know, capturing a certain number of the, uh, the 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 rivals' leaders, or whatever it is, right? Arresting people, and if they can do that, then by way of their characters setting up the, the 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 rival gang to be taken down, they play this little game off the side, you know, like and it plays out in like less than a half an hour, right? And that furthers the story of okay, well, now you've taken down this gang, congratulations, or you fail at doing the thing and the feds get routed and sent out of there. And in the process, the, you know, the rival find figures, the rivals figure out, Oh, you did this. And that <laughs> takes the story in a different direction. Um, so there's, so there's stakes, there's character agency to the extent that the characters are the ones who set it up and they make, they take, they, they take efforts to, to get everything rolling, but then it becomes like its own little game that resolves on its own. Um, and they play that separately. And then you come back to the main narrative and now the, now the characters have to deal with the repercussions of that.
0: I like like a mini-game is just alternate rules. It is just a a subset of something within the game that provides a a little side, a little side quest, a little a little uh, fun little flavor. And I like Craig, your idea there, like tying it into an overall story can be can can really make it can really make a game shine um make make it so it's not it's not just you're playing the game maybe then there are some mechanical consequences at the end you're you're gambling in the game what are the if you have wealth and stuff in your game well there you go you can tie it right into the mechanic if you um have like different factions and rivalries well the games that you play are going to be involved with that um maybe it also can help put npcs on your side maybe they can be used as part of your leveling up element within your game there are all sorts of fun tie-ins you could do um like i i think that there's a there's a, a wealth to draw from there's a whole fountain to draw from from your game. Now I think every game should include a mini-game. Everyone do it. That's the new law. <laughs> <laughs> That's the new TTRPG law. <laughs> oh gosh. Alex, one of Alex's favorite games is Final Fantasy X. And in Final Fantasy X, there is a game called Blitzball. Blitzball is like underwater volleyball slash soccer. I don't know how to describe it. Great. Um he has tried to include Blitzball in every single one of our games that we've ever <laughs> yeah because he's
2: I mean it's so captivating I bet <laughs> like it's I mean that's you know I, I and I can imagine I mean I'm not a, I'm not the biggest MMO RPG player but I know that like they're one of the complaints I hear from folks is that a lot of them feel limited in terms of like the mechanics right it's like a lot of like in terms of the types of quests that there are like it's like fetch quests and like a combat quest where you go and kill 20 wolves and then come back you know and so it feels like very like mechanical so i can imagine that like a sport within you know an mmorpg would feel like really inventive really like captivating because it's like so different than than like the than the nor
0: any final thoughts
2: uh go team <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 you know, I obviously as somebody who has done it before, I absolutely uh, agree. I, I advocate for uh, switching things up, and you know, and also like thinking about uh, something we haven't talked a lot about, but also thinking about the emotions that you want the players to have in your game from week to week, right? Like, if you, you know, what, you know, if you want to scare your players. You know, maybe be thinking about maybe a, a, a quote unquote mini game that's designed to shock or to frighten, you know, could be a lot of fun. You know, I think one of the cool things about mini games is that because you're limiting the scope, you I think it's easier to sort of get across like uh, to, to sort of, I don't want to say manipulate, but to like suggest emotion. Um, and so it could be a really cool tool in that regard so yeah by all means put uh more mini games uh more mini games in your campaigns please it's a they're a lot of fun
0: well thank you Jeffrey for joining us on this very fun episode of rpg <laughs> RD. where can we find you where can we find target run
2: absolutely you can find target run on the dm's guild just search for target run you'll find it there it was a number one uh comedy game on the dm's guild which is really cool very excited about that you can find my newsletter, AdventureSnack, at AdventureSnack.com. Um, yeah, as I say, it's uh, choose your own uh, adventure-type games that I email to subscribers twice a week. So if you like uh, interactive fiction and uh, and lots of surprises in mini games, uh, I deliver them to your inbox. And, uh, and for the moment, you can find me on Twitter. I don't know if by the time this gets out, Twitter <laughs> will still be a thing, yeah. but you could find me at Jeffrey Golden. That's G-E-O-F-F-R-E-Y, like the giraffe, G-O-L-D-E-N, like the color.
0: Yeah, you can find me on Twitter in the meantime, as well as other social media uh, at Josca. I think the only thing I'm not at Jaska on is Instagram, because someone stole my Instagram handle. Screw you, Jaska, on Instagram. <laughs> And I mean, literally stole because I made that account and now I don't have access to it. But you can also find my games on itch and on drive through RPG under one of the games. And the means of magic is out, it has been out now for a couple of weeks by the time you hear this. And uh, it is a game about protecting your loved ones, protecting your community in the face of. Climate Disaster, it is a climate disaster analogy game. It's a lot of fun and I can't wait to show it to more people. So you can check that out at Drive RPG or on itch.
1: And uh, I'm Nerdberger Craig on Twitter and Mastodon. Uh, You can go to my website nerdburgergames.com. I'm taking pre-orders for Code Warriors there. In case you missed the Kickstarter, you can get the book there. Um, You'll get the PDF and the book. Uh, You know, it'll it'll be a couple months. It'll be a month or two. Uh, I'll probably give you the PDF now, Um, but the book will be a month or two because I'm not going to release that until the backers are getting theirs too. and you can also get uh, Good Strong Hands. I'm getting a second printing of that. And it's a discounted book. Uh, you'll get the PDF right away. The book, will, again, will come later um, if you go to the store at nerdburgergames.com. Otherwise, um, all the games are also at drive through RPG.
0: Thank you to our opening and closing theme song, which is Avel by Steph Sachs, Licensed under Creative Commons 2.5. Got it this time. Got it. Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. I edited out the last one, unless I forgot to when I said 3.0. <laughs> And uh, thank you all of you for listening. And we'll see you back here next time. Bye.